Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Catch new episodes of The O Show for free, available on all audio platforms, including Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. For full video versions of the podcast, head on over to YouTube and StarWorldWideNetworks.com. The O Show is presented by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. Mayweather Boxing and Fitness is an inclusive, high-intensity fitness experience developed by the champ Floyd Money Mayweather himself. The best group boxing workout in the market, Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. Oh, Jack. Jack O'Hara. Boy, you asked me some interesting questions, my man. It's a great question, Jack. Jack, hey, it's Josh Radder. Hey there, Jack O'Hara. It's Johnny Damon. Jack, you had questions for me. Jack O'Hara, absolutely. This message is for Jack O'Hara. O'Hara. Jack, how are you? Hey, Jack. Jack, hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? What's going on, Jack? Uh, listen, man, you know, you, you, you asked me a couple questions. Live and broadcasting around the world, you're listening to The O Show. In the show and uh, doing your thing, I mean, you've got some pretty big name guests. I've seen your, your stuff, so congratulations on your success. Jack O'Hara. Much nicer guy than Conan O'Brien with much better interviewing skills. Don't forget to share this episode on your social media. Now, let's get to it. I am so boned. I forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow, and now it's sold out. It's her freaking birthday. Oh, dude. She's totally going to break up with you. She's definitely going to break up with me. Should have used TickPick. Wait, what'd you say? TickPick. Look. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? There are no hidden fees. What'd you guys think I said? Oh, TickPick. I thought you said tick pick. No hidden fees. Download today. Like I'm I'm always thinking of my friends who are like, you know, tech managers and, and, you know, camera guys and stuff like that. And I hope there's still a fit for them, you know, as we keep moving forward, you know, are you using like a high def camera right now? Like 4k? Yeah, I have a Panasonic. This is one fun thing that me and Sean, (laughs) since we started the podcast, we were like, we would get different cameras and we would do this, we would do that. You, you know, you've probably done the same thing. Like you Google, oh, wait, should I get this? And then it's like, oh my God, I need an ethernet cable. And then yep. you, you just start learning like a whole new language that you never thought you had to oh my learn. God. Like when you first start, you're like, oh, wow, that was great. Like we can see each other, but the Zoom audio is right. And then right, you exactly. every episode yeah. you pick up on something different and then you, you work. Yeah. yeah, for sure, for sure. So I want to dig deep, you know, kind of, basically go back to when it all started for you, you know, mm-hmm. working, producing, not only, you know, in major league baseball, but, you know, just in professional sports in general, because you, you got a English literature degree, if I'm correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good, good research there. I, I went to Columbia university. Uh, when I was in high school, I was fairly decently recruited to play baseball and a little bit of football, actually as short as I am. And I was looking at schools and I had scholarships and things like that. But, you know, when I was like 14, 15 years old, like I really got into like baseball tonight and I was really into ESPN, like most kids my age were. And I knew I wanted to do something like that. And I was actually a huge fan of like Peter Gammons, 
and more of the writer guys because I knew I wasn't really going to be a major league baseball player, but I want to stay close to sports in general. And it's funny. I, uh, when I was getting recruited, it was like, okay, I'm not going to go pro. So it's scholarships. It's going to a really great baseball school. Or should, should I go to a school that I can learn and have a degree to fall back on? And that's why I chose Columbia. Plus it was kind of close to home growing up on long Island and it just fit. But then when I got there, the funny thing is, so I was, I was in college from 96 to 2000. And in 96, it was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go, I'm going to become a sports writer. And then I'm going to try to figure out a way to get that into TV and then be like a Peter Gammons or like a, now we have so many of them, Ken Rosenthal's and, and, and all those kind of guys. Um, but something switched at that time because newspapers were going away. So while I was in college, I really had to make a shift because, and, and again, I majored in English comparative literature, but it was basically a journalism degree. So I was going to become a, a writer. Um, but by around 98, like newspapers were going away. All the reporters were trying to figure out how to make a new living and how to do that. And, and the last couple of years when I was in college, I was like, I really don't know what to do because I don't know where the landscape is going to be. And it's funny because it's, there are a lot of comparisons to that now because TV is in one direction and what we're doing right now, a podcast or like uh, any kind of live streaming or streaming events and all that kind of stuff. It, it's starting. There's another one of those little waves going right now where there's going to be some adjustments to be made for creative people. But going back to then, uh, it really started changing. I'm like, you know what? Maybe it's better if I go work for an ESPN or something like that. And there weren't many of them. There was just ESPN and Fox Sports. There were no regional networks. So I did, luckily, um, surprisingly enough, the, there was a vice president at ESPN who I found online when it was like early online years. So it took me a few, a few months to find this guy, but he played baseball at Harvard and he was a VP at ESPN in a totally different department. But I got to talk to him, went there, and, you know, it was tough leaving New York. It was tough leaving a big city for, like, Bristol, Connecticut. Um, but I was like, this is going to be my grad school. And I was there for five and a half years. And that's kind of how I started moving in this direction. Yeah, I mean, you kind of touched on, you know, you kind of, in a way, you know, platforms were hard to come by where today anybody could yeah. have their own podcast, anybody could have their own show, and it's mm -hmm. hard to digest and find which show is actually, like, legit and, you know... Right. Not legit, but, well, yes, legit, but at the same yeah. time, credible, you know? Like, anybody yes. can see in their basement doing a show. Right, right, exactly, yeah. So, where it's watered down, it's still... I still think the same type of... uh things that make anything successful in sports television or sports production. Like you still got to, at the end of the day, the audience is going to figure you out, you know, in the first two or three or four weeks of doing something outside of the box of, Oh, I'm turning on ESPN or, Oh, I'm turning on my local sports network. Your audience is there because they're smart enough to know they're going to like good content. So yeah, as much as it's more watered down now, you still got to be good and you still have to be talented, I think, to do it and have a platform where you're giving an audience something, you know, that they want to hear. 
Yeah, and they tend to weed out the bad ones regardless. Mm-hmm. It's just right. instead of, you know, 10 different platforms back in 2000, it's 10,000 platforms in 2021. And it's right. come by really, really good content. You know, like you see yeah. the school sports and John Boy Media, just like those two guys mm-hmm. exploding. Off Killing of, it. You know, and they've been doing great content for years, but it was like right. one or two posts that they did, you know, like right. not like the the effing savages one for the Yankees and Aaron Boone that really <laughs> set them off. And you know, yeah. like you keep going, you keep going, and then eventually someone will notice. Right, exactly. Yeah. And if you just and I, I the thing I've learned about this kind of new world I'm living in, like the TV stuff was amazing. I loved it. I loved doing it. I loved I still do some stuff with that when I consult and things like that, but um, it's, I, I, I didn't know what I was turning into or what I wanted to do. I've been doing this for over 20 years and I've made some transitions along the way. I've basically been a major, major sports networks for most of my career. And the cool thing is like learning the term content creator. Like you look online and you hear people who are like Instagram, uh, what do they call it? Influencers. I think that's kind of a BS term, but I do like the term content creator because I think that's what a lot of people are doing now. And if you can create content that's not, like I said, that has some sub, some substance to it, there's an art form to that that I'm learning now that's, that's really cool. And it's exciting, actually, because in the last probably five or six years, you know, the television industry and whatever we were doing when we started streaming – it started to get very consistent across the board and nobody was really challenging each other as much. And I think now you got to be at the top of your game and you got to have something special to offer people where they're going to pay attention to you rather than paying attention to the other billion people that are doing the same thing. You know, I've never understood the term influencer. It's like (laughs) there's a few people that like legitimately like influence people. Sure, I I get that. Like your your goal is to provide value for other people, but then there's some people who just you know post stuff to you know brag basically. Like how are you an influencer? You know, (laughs) like in the sports world, you know specifically talking about the bar stools and the John Boy Media as well, even ESPN, Fox Sports, NBC, whatever you want to call it. Like to be able to like you said develop that niche, develop that talent and skill to again provide value to an audience and at the same time i'll use the word again influence them to want to continue following your stuff like there is a right to that right and one thing i'm actually trying to like i'm still wrapping my arms around that's interesting and annoying at the same time <laughs> but i know it's important it's like you know what, what you post on uh an instagram compared to a facebook yeah. For example, like you have to be in to- two totally different mindsets for that. And you have to kind of, you got to kind of take your big platform. Okay, here, we just did an hour of something. Where does it go? How are people going to see it? How am I going to reach people? Well, you're going to do that super quick TikTok thing, Yeah, you know, for TikTok. But maybe you can be a little more long form on Facebook and things like that. And it, it's, it really is... Uh, a time right now where I think it's, we're still figuring out what the medium is going to be for people to, you know, click and watch compared to what they're watching on their television. I still love, I really do love sitting on my couch and having a nice big TV screen and watching something. But I know, you know, you can't forget about the people that don't want to do that anymore because otherwise nobody's going to pay attention to you. It's, it's unique. 
Where would you say that, you know, not just content creation, but just streaming services altogether in the next decade are going to be? Because, like, you just easily stream a game on YouTube TV or, you know, ESPN Plus has stuff online that you could just go to on your phone or right. on your laptop. I, it's it's something I think about every... I, I really think about it every day. Something pops up in my head where I'm like, oh, is this where we're going or is that where we're going? It's, it's, it's extremely interesting because, like I said, like, I don't think... Yeah, look at it this way. You're never going to have a Super Bowl party with 40 people and just say, hey, everybody just bring your phones. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Like, the, you're, you have to have that broad venue. And again, you know, I do like looking at my phone, which everybody does too much probably, but... Way too much. I'll do it in uh, commercial breaks of something that I'm watching while I'm sitting there watching it. So I think... There's a danger in saying nobody's going to watch television again, cut your cords, whatever, because there's no way. There's just, there's no way that's going away forever. On the flip side, the, the, the streaming and all of that has gotten so big that I also think that's going to have like a little drop off at some point in the next two or three years where we find a happy medium between the two things. Like, I just, I can't imagine, you know, not having, uh, not having the ability to have everything. And also there are so many streaming platforms now and there are big time, like big time, like YouTube between YouTube and Yahoo and Amazon and everything like they, that's big money competing with big money. And so they, they're not going to, they're not going to stop fighting, you know, the battle to see who's going to get the most. But at the same time, you know, you can see some things on Amazon that you can't see on uh, Hulu, for example, and that's why TV. I don't think TV's going away. I don't think cable's going away anytime soon. So, somewhere, I like I said, I think there's going to be a happy medium where it kind of levels off. But right now, you don't know who's going to win the battle in the industry. Right. And they're all like you mentioned, like some of the different services. You know, like off the top of my head, if you want to see a movie, catch out on HBO or Peacock or Amazon mm -hmm. Prime, like. And some of those services have something different to offer that the other one doesn't right. offer, which you see in the sports world too today with, mm -hmm. you know, ESPN and Fox Sports were like the two head honchos for many years. Right. Uh, and now my generation's calling is probably Barstool Sports at the top there. Uh -huh. right? I, I think yeah. you can say that at this point. They've sure. blown up over the past five years, I'd say. I'm yeah. not necessarily one of those, I, what do they call them, stoolies or whatever, like people... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. sports, sports, but like you've got to recognize what they've done. Oh, unbelievable! It's like been it, an it's a totally different, diverse culture too. You know, you're like you're not going to get what they do on ESPN or Fox Sports or anything like that. Ever because, and that's the other thing that you get walking outside of like a television screen is you walk outside of, um, you know, the the rules and reg regulations. Like on our podcast. <laughs> You can curse. I, I and yeah. for twenty years, I worked in an industry where if an F word or an S word or pick your word popped out. I'm like, oh my god, I'm we're gonna all we're all gonna get fired. And and it's like you said, there's just different outlets to it. And you know, not having the FCC can can empower a lot of people. It can make a lot of people stupid if they you know just decide that that's why they're doing it. But in general, yeah, it's it's. There's a lot to learn. There's a lot going on, and like you said, uh, what year did you graduate? Like high school or college? I'll I'll ask. Just graduated college this past spring. 
Graduated okay. high school 2017. There you go. So here's, uh, I'll give you a perfect comparison. So I graduated college in 2000. And like you said, when I graduated college, it was ESPN or Fox Sports. And Fox Sports was just kind of, kind of almost there. And then as I, as things started progressing, then you got, oh, all of a sudden New York did this thing. Oh, it was the Yes Network. And then all of a sudden you started seeing the regionals and you know, there was a certain time when I was at ESPN where I would actually uh, talk to a higher up going, I think I want to get back to New York. And they're like, well, good luck because there's nothing really there for you. Now there's, you could work for, you know, the Yes Network, SNY. You can work for New York One. You can work for, you could just get a camera and do what we're doing right now and figure it out. So that's the, a really cool thing about the way the industry is turning. But like you said, now there's there are so many ways to go and when you add what you're saying you know you graduated college thinking bar stools is is the thing like you would have never thought 15 maybe even 10 years ago five years ago that uh, a i don't even want to call it just a website like an entity would be able to compete with espn or fox like that's crazy and I think it's awesome, but I also think there's a lot of navigating to do with it, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like it's a learning process every day for them anyways, you know? Like, right. they are so brash sometimes that they got to be like, okay, that didn't work. Let's go back to the <laughs> right. board. I feel like they're yeah. just throwing stuff at the wall. Just seeing They definitely right. are. Yeah. But again, but that's where you get the freedom to do that in that platform that you never, you never had that, that freedom. You still don't at a national network that has you know different types of commercial breaks and different types of sales going into it you know when when somebody's not paying you to do something you you're you have a lot more free will than than if they're telling you here's here's what you're doing and you know you got to do it in a certain way otherwise we're going to stop paying right that's where the creativity part was cool and working at some of these organizations for as many years as you did you know just experiencing some of you know, the people that you worked with, because, you know, you talk about the certain level of freedom on things. It's because of, you know, endorsements, sponsorships, you know, the higher up things, you know, like what where the yeah. revenue comes from, you know, like you, you got to be a professional in mm-hmm. a sense where like Barstool, they've gone their own route. Uh, obviously, they have big time paying partners that love what they're doing. And it's a totally mm-hmm. different, diverse culture. But do you know anyone specifically who, again, has worked at ESPN for so many years, who has worked at Fox Sports for so many years? that really does not buy into that new culture of having that freedom space on a, a platform, not just like, Oh, yeah. oh sure. Know. Certainly. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, you get to certain places and you see people who are lifers and, and there is no knock on that whatsoever. Right. You know, like if I were in a different place in my life and a different time, I'd still be at ESPN and I'd be there for, I don't know, what is it? 22 years now. And it'd be cool. And I would have my environment. Um, and so, yeah, there are still people that are holding on to, and look, to, to a degree, I, even I, uh, like I said, I still like sitting down and turning the TV on. And I still think that what some of the networks are doing, all of the networks are doing, they're challenging each other. And it's really cool, like, every year, if you ever get the chance to go to, like, the Sports Emmy Awards, it's it's cool to see that everybody's rooting for each other and going, wow, what you guys did was awesome at CBS. Somebody from, I, I, you see it all the time. It is a, it's a fraternity sorority slash thing. And 
I really do think it's really cool that everybody does root for each other in industry. But sure, there are definitely, I mean, I definitely have people who say like, screw the, you know, if you watch Howard Stern, Howard Stern hates podcasting. And I consider Howard Stern a genius as far as media can is concerned. Yeah. But, but I don't know if I agree with him on his reasoning for why he thinks podcasting stupid and you should be on a radio format. Like what was his reasoning? Oh, I don't want to talk for him, but I just, I just think he thinks, and again, when he first started hitting it hard, I think it was more like, what is this? Like, you know, I've been working on this for years and all of a sudden you can just plug something in and any jerk can be, right. can be me. But, uh, but I, I still, I don't think that's his reasoning behind it. I, I wouldn't speak for him, like I said. But again, the main point is that uh, there's just there's so many ways to do it now. I'm I'm excited for, you know, I'm more of like uh, outside of the box and creative, create creativity and things like that. So the more options you have for that, great. Do I get like a little annoyed when I see somebody who I don't think is as talented that just happened to hit it for a minute? Right. That's a little annoying. And I would say most of the old school people, you know, even if you look in music, like it's the same thing with uh, Pandora and Spotify and, and, and it, you know, even Facebook and YouTube and things like that, people can get famous real quick without putting in the same work that some of the old school people did. And I think a lot of the people who are really down on the, the transition from TV to this whole new global thing we're doing, are probably just a little annoyed that, you know, it, it's a little too easy to do it sometimes these days. Oh, and again, the reason I asked the question, because like you said, like there's those lifers out there. I interviewed Jack Curry from the S Network. Yeah. Like, it was three years ago. Like his opinion could completely have changed on this. But, mm -hmm. you know, like when I came up to him, I'm just a young kid, you know, had a man bun at the time, like didn't really look <laughs> yeah. the part of like a reporter, right? So he's like, oh, are you from one of those like ronky, Barstool Sports affiliate, uh, like, okay, like, he's one of those guys that probably doesn't like, you know, like, the new generation, uh, you know, like, because well, I could be, but also, but don't forget, again, Jack Curry is the, almost the exact type of person that I was talking about. First of all, I think he's great. I think he does great oh, yeah. stuff. Uh, yeah, um, but he was somebody, he, I mean, he was a writer and a reporter, and now he is an on-air talent because that was where the transition was made. Yeah in his industry you know you you couldn't just sit there and write for a newspaper anymore if you wanted to you know support a family so it, 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 i see what he was saying there but i also think like he was i think what he went through is very similar to what people your age are going through right now as far as what is this media landscape oh 100 like even me as a 22 year old kid trying to navigate you know a quote-unquote platform you know just posting yeah. stuff and seeing like one kid, like you said, like as an example of someone just hitting it big on one post and they have like no talent in a sense. Like they right. work hard for it as, you know, someone who spent 10 to 20 years like a Jack yeah. to get to the position that he's in today. Right, exactly. And, you know, and, you know, you can't fault them. You got to be happy for everybody. You want everybody to be successful <laughs> in this industry. But yeah, there is that slippery slope and, you know, you just, it's all about evolving and 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 the good thing about it is that it's it's no matter what's going on it's for creative people and the creative i actually think 
it got a little stagnant in the last, I would say, five or six years. And I, as horrible as this pandemic has been, it has kind of rejuvenated like creative thinking as to how to put a broadcast on in any way, shape, or form. And I mean, even you know, you know, grandparents could talk to grandkids, yeah, uh, just like that, just like we're talking to you right now. Last year, and we're lucky to have that. And I think the more you can open your mind to trying to figure out how to use those same platforms uh, to create something, to create content, whether it's sports TV or any kind of TV or any kind of, you know, murder mystery podcasts that are all real popular right now, then, then it's cool that, that it's going on this way. Oh, yeah. I mean, 2020, complete disaster overall. But, like, again, if you were quote-unquote privileged enough or, you know, fortunate mm-hmm. enough to be in a position where, like, okay, like, you can sit down and kind of figure out what your next move was going to be uh, right. in any industry, really. Like, any any business, whether you're in sports, real estate, uh, you're a lawyer, you know, you're a doctor, whatever, like, you could use a podcast. You could use a certain sure. form of social media platform in order to get the word out, spread your, again, quote-unquote brand. And yeah. Because anybody could do this. Right, right. That's the thing. Anybody can do this, but you just, but you got to be, you got to have your stuff good. together these days. Yeah. yeah, you got to be good. And and the cool, the it's a little uncomfortable about the, like, immediate reaction you get, but with the, all the analytics of, like, you know, how podcasts are being seen or how streaming is being viewed and all that and downloads and subscribers, like, there's a serious immediacy towards who's listening but you can also the other cool thing about that is you can you can angle and move and say oh wait i'm not hitting the audience i'm trying to hit so how do i get them where do i find them and again it it brings a process to another like intellectual level where it's it's cool to see these days it's kind of like finding your niche right sense right and that could be a hard thing to do even if you do have an exact thing that you're talking about like mm-hmm. it's hard to find that niche, like personality-wise. Like, what different elements can we bring to this show? What different segments can we bring? Absolutely, and that's part of the awesomeness of it too. And if and if you have the guts of something good, whether it's on TV or on a streaming platform, I think, I think you'll get there. Like Sean Casey and I do this podcast now. We've done twenty-two now, and we were talking the other day, and like from the first day and we put them all on our YouTube page. And I'm like, on the one hand, I'm so uncomfortable by how like the first four or five of them looked because the audio was bad. And like, it just wasn't the show we wanted to do yet, but whatever. But the process, if you have the guts of something that's good where people go, Oh, this is going to be good one day. And you suck them into it and you keep building from that. Like now it's really cool to look back on the, first couple episodes and go, wow, look how much work we've done to kind of create. I'm looking at your studio is awesome right now. You got that background. You got the lighting is all awesome. I bet that wasn't the first day. You were probably like, eh, what did I do? Like, you, you know what I'm saying? Started it in my basement bar room four years ago. There you ago. go. Yeah. And that's cool. That's, and, and it's cool to like, I watched the, the office is a great show. You know, uh, Seinfeld's a great show. If you watch the first season of each of those shows, compared to like season five yeah. when each of them were like monsters you'll see you'll see the production value sucks you'll or, or you'll see that like jerry seinfeld wasn't really as funny or comfortable 
in that first year. And that's what's really cool about this is like the more you can record it and just get it out there. If you're doing the right thing, you know, anybody who's new to this, just keep pushing, keep trying to do it. And it'll be cool to see your evolution as it goes. And your audience will even appreciate the shitty shows, part of my language, in the beginning uh, of your start. No, new generation. You can say whatever you want on this. Uh, yeah, that's true. As long as it's not too derogatory. There's <laughs> yeah, right. line, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's so true. And I, I want to ask you about, you know, getting your start and what you wanted to do. Like you said at the beginning, it was kind of, you know, all over the place. Maybe not exactly where you wanted to be at first, but it, it's like that for everybody, you know, like right. you go through the ropes and uh, the trials and the tribulations and everything. At what point, like, how long do you think it took for you to not only find out, like, your identity and what you were doing, but at the same time you were being recognized for the work that you were be, uh, putting in? That's a great question. So, um, again, I started ESPN, and the other thing I'll go back to then, and I think this is a good story for anybody who's getting into this type of industry, which is there's money in it, but there's not money in it when you start. And, and for years, <laughs> for years, you got to work for it. So I graduated again from Columbia University. Back then, all my friends were getting all these investment banking jobs and are getting like $50,000 signing bonuses. And, and I graduated college and my first salary at ESPN, I was a temp PA and I made $17,500 with no benefits for six months. And then if you get kept on, you get benefits. And so those first couple of years were confusing and you're comparing yourself to like your friends as everybody does right when they get out of college, who's got the best job, you know, like, and whatever. But the thing about this industry and the, one of the things that I think that helped me somewhere along the lines in my head, I said, this is my career. This is my job. So I'm making a career out of this. And when you decide to make a career out of it, then you don't worry as much about the money. You grind on to what you're doing. And by the time I think I was like towards the end of being a production assistant, about to be at the time where I would be uh, promoted to a, uh, an associate producer, I realized that I had like kind of an eye that was a little different as far as the way I saw how to cut a highlight or the way I saw how to do a montage or the way a segment should run. And that was cool at the time because I think everything was kind of the same back then. Cause like I said, there were only one or two networks. And initially I got into a point, I was doing something called the ultimate highlight at ESPN. It was Sunday nights. It was the highlight of the week set to like really cool music. We got like, you know, uh, Eddie Vedder would sing a song for it and stuff like that. And it was, and I was doing that. And I thought I wanted to be a movie director and back then, there were music music video directors who would do, like, uh, there's a guy named Mick G who did, I think, a lot of Mick, uh, Britney Spears stuff and uh, Backstreet Boys. And then he did, um, what was it, The Three Girls, uh, Charlie's Angels. Like, that was his segue. And I was like, that's what I wanted to do. I love the fast-paced uh, music video type stuff and telling stories without anybody actually having to talk, like, things like that. And then all of a sudden, I transitioned. I got back to Cold Pizza at uh, in New York because uh, they were trying to bring that back up, which eventually became First Take, um, and it worked. But 
it was my way to get back to New York. And then I started segment producing. And I swear, I never thought I wanted to be a line producer, like produce a live show. And cold pizza went away. I knew I was going to come to MLB because I worked on baseball tonight for so many years at ESPN. And I knew they would hire me at some level. And I had a little stopgap. And I wound up at SNY uh, with a former co-worker, Brad Como, who's a great guy who brought me in and said, I want you to be a producer. I produced the show. I was there for six months. And then I was a line producer for the next 15 years. <laughs> and I don't know how it started or how I got there, but it was just the process of finding your way into things. Never wanted to do it, but I loved doing it. And it was probably the best thing I ever uh, accomplished in my career. I mean, you start out thinking this is what I want to do with my life, and then you get your foot in the door, you get all these different experiences, right. you get all these different hats, and you realize there's a lot more to this than I actually thought. Yeah. And then you fall in love with something else. Absolutely. And uh, to go even back further, when I uh, interviewed at ESPN, here's, here's how crazy it can be. I interviewed for two jobs. They gave me two interviews. One was to be a studio production assistant, and the other one was to work in master control. And the master control job paid more money. And again, graduating college, I'm like, oh, the extra $10,000. I can tell my friends I made an extra $10,000. <laughs> it's just the way it works. And But I was like, you know, I'd be working more in the sports if I take the studio job. But I had no idea. I didn't go to, like, Syracuse and go to a sports school you know, or, or, or sports production school or production school. And I just chose studio. And if I had chosen master control, my entire life would be different. I mean, completely different. And it's just part of the process of growing up and growing in an industry that you just got to go with the flow in some ways. Wow. So you obviously just fell in love with that type of work then, considering you did it at MLB Network for so long. Right. Well, I fell in love with the live because I, I played baseball in college and that ended. And, you know, I always, when I interview uh, former professional athletes, I say, what do you do to get that adrenaline back? And being able to, like we're doing right now, we're talking to each other, your mind's working and you're concentrating and, and producing a live show, forget about it, especially at MLB Network. Like, when I was there, I, I did the late show. So we would go on at 10, 10 p.m., off at 1 a.m., and we had an idea. There were big games. We knew there were big matchups that we were going to pay attention to, but there was no rundown, no script, no anything, and you sit down, and for three hours, you have to make decisions like that, like that, like that, like that, and that that was like cracked me. I, I was I was upset obsessed with that experience especially like when i was younger and like had you know so much energy and was so ready to try new things and do crazy stuff that was one of the best experiences i've ever had in my life and especially in my career i mean that goes back to the creative side of things having creativity because in that role you you know you're not like 100 percent in control, but at the same time, you have control to say, right. let's go this direction, let's go that direction. Yeah, and just just having to make a decision really quick, that, that's a really fun thing for me. Like, I always tell, like, young producers, when I'm working with them, especially in, especially in a live environment, it's 
just make a decision. The only bad decision you can make is not making a decision. So make a decision. We'll talk about it after. Was it right or was it wrong? It doesn't matter. It was right because you made it at the time. That, that was like the exhilarating part of it for me. So, so in that line of work, you know, having to make quick decisions like that, or even growing up, you know, introducing yourself to people in the industry, trying to get your foot in the door in a sense, mm -hmm. what do you think was the biggest mistake or um, decision you've ever made that you wish you could have been like, okay, tell your younger self now, like probably shouldn't have done that. It's a phenomenal question. Biggest mistake. I think, Wow. That is a great question. I think uh, you can go in two directions with that. One is being uh, being too, I don't want to say the word confident, but I want to say too, too secure that everything, everything's going great right now. Yeah. I'm at the top of my game and just sitting on that. I think if I had looked back on my career, I could say, and this is a this is kind of like a dark way of putting it, but it's it's a truth in this industry. It's you sit there and go, you know, okay, now I've reached a certain level, so now I'm here. And what happens when Michael Jordan became the best basketball player? How many more basketball players were looking at him, going, "I got to take him down, I got to take him down." And you don't think about the politics of an industry, even though you know you work again in sports television. You think, oh, I got into this industry because I'm not going to wear a suit and tie and I don't have to deal with all the political BS at any other company. Well, guess what? You're working in an industry. doesn't matter. You're still working for a company. There's always going to be people out there to get you. And there's always going to be certain things to navigate in a, in a, in a professional way. And I don't think I did anything wrong. I just think that when you're younger, you don't realize, well, I, I always thought my talent is here. So I don't need the politics. My talent will overcome the politics, but you do have to learn how to navigate, navigate people, um, become, you know, you can be a leader, but you also have to step back and be a negotiator and you have to be a peacemaker and you have to, all the qualities that you need in any type of job still apply to, even if you walk in and sit down and, you know, you know, Prince could have been the greatest guitarist ever, but he still had to be a singer and he still had to manage his band yep. and he still had to figure out if he wanted to do certain PR or not. And that's one thing. If I look back on and told my younger self, I'd be like, don't forget to play the game. Even though you don't want to play the game, nobody ever wants to play the game. You want your talents to speak to themselves, but they never will in any job you ever have. So there you go. I mean, for the majority of people, again, there's that 1% who posts one thing and, you know, they're insta-famous or whatever. But right. for most people, like, you have no choice but to quote-unquote play the game, right? Right, and right. sure. Trials and tribulations. Like, you talk about yeah. like, growing up, like, out of school, you know, like, having friends working in finance or, you know, accounting. And all of a sudden, like, you talk about that $50,000 yeah. bonus right off the bat. And you're thinking, like, man, like, am I really, like... I'm going after my passion, but is it truly worth it? Right. At what point was it like solidified in your mind? Like I'm doing what I love and like, there's no turning back. It doesn't matter what happens here moving forward, going through uh, all those things. I'll, I'll tell you why. Uh, 
specifically, and it wasn't a certain date, but I would see all my friends who for the first five or six years of my career were, you know, in comparatively speaking, like killing it and, and doing everything that we all wanted to do when we said we were in high school, like, oh, I'm going to get an apartment in the city and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. But it was probably about 10 years into my career when I realized like most of my friends who were in those, got those jobs or did this, had five or six or seven different jobs by that point. And they had changed careers. Now they're all successful, but they were still trying to figure out what they wanted to do for a career and for a life. Um, and it was, like I said, around 10 years in where I'm like, wow, I'm still in the same industry. And now I'm starting to make a couple bucks. And now I'm, I'm kind of at the same level as them, but I've honed my skills for 10 years while they're redoing things and, and refocusing and learning new things. Now you want to keep learning new things whenever, but that was when I realized, you know what? I, I'm glad I stuck this out and I'm better off for it. Yeah. Cause at the end of the road, not necessarily the end of the road, but once you finally get to that point of like, this was all worth it. Like, like you said, you owned 10 years worth of experiences, knowledge and skills right. and created this monster in a sense of like, this is what I do. And nobody's really, I wouldn't say like better at it than me, but like I've reached that point where like I can sure. go and do what I love because I know I'm great at it. Right. And, and, and you start getting confidence and you learn more and more, the more you stick with an industry, not saying that it's not for everybody. I have a lot of friends who left this industry who have gone on to be really successful in other parts. And I think part of, I'm sure what they learned in the industry helped them in a new job, but like, just as far as, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to go for this, if you're going to try to be in this world we're in, you should just go for it and give it time, you know? And be patient. There needs a lot. You need a lot of patience, um, but that patience does pay off if you're successful. So, at what point, whether it was you know doing what you were doing at MLB Network for so long, you know, we talked about the creativity before. Or now doing the show with Sean, like big, great personality. Obviously, chemistry is there. Guests that you guys have had on are phenomenal. Uh, you know, when it comes not only personality, stories being told, like the art of storytelling is why I got into this. Yeah. This, that's what sets my soul on fire. At what point did you know that, you know, this all paid off? Like this was the big moment where you kind of realized like, okay, this is the, the straw that broke the camel's back. This is why I did this. I mean, I, I think we're still going through it. And I think every day, I think... Honestly, the excitement that the, the, we, we, from the day we started until now, we're more excited now than we were the day we started. And it's because, you know, we did go kind of out of on a limb. And I appreciate you saying that about the guests and talk about storytelling. Sean is like one of the funniest. Yeah. I mean, and I'm talking about one of my best friends. He was one of my wedding parties. So I would extra special place in my heart, but I've told him this and I'll tell it to anybody like where he started when he got off a baseball field to where he is now, as far as the mechanics of, uh, of, of flowing through an interview and, and, and shifting to different questions and listening and all that stuff. Um, and again, the technology that we're learning every day 
I, I, we're more excited now than we were in the beginning. I think in the beginning we were both a little super scared, but I think that fear is what kind of helps you, you know, focus and, and actually do what you want to do. Yeah. Um, and the other part about it is it, there is a very unique thing to not being at a corporation. And I, I think it's great. I, I, I will not take back anything. ESPN, MLB Network, they built my life. They built my home. And I love a lot of people still at both places. But like to, to have it be our own and have to learn and call each other and go, wait, I think we're doing this wrong. And wait, who, who can we have help us? Do you have any friends that do this? And, you know, now we're working with PR and now we have a sponsor. And it's like it, it, the excitement of learning that from the start, even though you're older now, is like it's what's really driving us. We talked earlier this morning. He was on the uh, show was on the Pat McAfee show. Who, yeah. Pat McAfee is like three million listeners a day. Oh, right? Personality. Yeah. Right. And like um, and to see like where it's progressed from where it began. And to see that, like, it is cool to see that more people are watching or listening, and you get uh, you get a little bit more of an immediate gratification in this, and you also get a lot more um, passionate struggle. But I love the process. The process of figuring out how to get better every day is something that I didn't have when I was at. Uh, a, a television network because you kind of knew what was going on and you were just kind of making shifts and, and you didn't have total control because the sales team would tell you, Hey, this is what we have to do for sales. Right. And the marketing team would tell you this and there's nothing wrong with that. It's awesome. And that's part of why those networks are great, but it's amazing to be, you know, like a one man band and know that your success or failure is on you. <laughs> and it's 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 nerve-wracking, but it's fun. Oh, yeah. And I mean, that's what drives you. Like, the more you struggle, like, early on, like, it's exciting to start a show. Like you said, like, you're a bit anxious, a bit nervous. Going right. And then you go through some of, not necessarily struggles, but, you know, I won't use the word plateauing either, but, you know, just breaking uh-huh. through that next thing, that next struggle, and thinking, like, okay, like, that was a great experience. We learned that. And that's mm-hmm. exciting, learning more yeah. about that and delving into all these different things whether it is the art of interviewing, content creation, getting sponsors for the show, everything that comes with it, you know, and building yeah. relationships and getting to hear cool stories, like when you guys had Jim Leland on, or of course oh, Ryan Dempster, who's a huge personality in his own right. Yeah, you know, like when it all Thanks. comes together, it's awesome. And, uh, I actually think your word plateauing is is great because that that I, I, we felt that you know there'd be a couple of weeks where you just go through the motions, but then you're like you're not improving. So I, I do think there is a plateauing feel to like, yeah. All right. And, and and there's also still, again, you know, it takes, I remember we got to 10 episodes of the podcast and it was really cool because it was like, I, everything I've read is get to 10, get to 10, get to 10. And we got to 10 and that was exciting. And it really does make sense because, you know, oh, wow, we did this. Oh yeah, that was good. Oh wait, we're going to do it again next week. That means we have to call each other and get a guest and whatever and do everything and then you start getting to a consistent basis but you the discipline that's involved in that takes so much and and you could really stop at any moment and i see it 
not just on podcasts, but on like some shows and some Netflix series, whatever, uh, you see them stop. And, and I get disappointed. Like uh, there's one super famous comedian who actually had a podcast for about, I want to say about three months, uh, a little while ago. And I was so psyched and it was so great. And he was great. And then he just stopped doing it. Mm-hmm. And I, and I could tell in the last couple of episodes hearing him talk, I'm like, and he was, he was just done with it. Cause there's, there's so much strength you have to put into every week going, wait, let me get up. Let me do this. Let me, it's on me. You know, like if you have a job at a network or at a, anywhere, your boss will call you if you're late. Like when you're doing, you know, content creating stuff on your own, nobody's going to call you. Nobody's going to say, Hey, get out of bed. Hey, do this. You know what I'm saying? Sorry about that. Boss was calling me. But yeah, I mean, I think, um, again, like having the, I'll use the word discipline, you know, like you have that, that you have to have the discipline to do this. Like there's so many people, whether, like you said, like famous comedians or some chump like me doing this, right? <laughs> you know, like you get yeah, kind of no. and you're not satisfied with either the passion for it or, you know, you, your subscribers aren't going up or anything like that, you know, like, I mean, if right. you do that, you're right. for the wrong reasons. But, you know, like there's that intuition to want to do this because you have a goal. Like you should go into this thinking, like like you said, like you were excited to get to 10 episodes, like going into it. What were some of your and Sean's things? And this will be the last thing I ask. I don't want to take too much of your time here. I promise. Okay. So I tend to ask a lot of <laughs> questions. Uh, but like okay. what was kind of like, you know, your goal? Was it like one step at a time, like you said, get into 10 episodes? Or was there like a larger thing that you had in mind? No. I, well, the the... Initial thing was, hey, let's do this. And it was his idea. And he called me, which was awesome. And and I was totally into it. And it was really more of like, like formatting it and was the most difficult thing. And we we say all the time, we joke, we had, we did like a practice show. And like that night I hung up the phone and I turned to my wife who knows Sean very well. And I go, oh my God, this could ruin our friendship. Like, cause it was so bad. It was so bad. We didn't know what we were, who we were or what we were doing. And so we got a format together. We did the first show and it was good. And so we were like, oh, okay, wait, wait, we can do this. But then as we went along, like it, we're still, we are still to this day, today we talked on a phone, like, wait, we need to start doing this or we need to start doing that. And now we are like, it's just a matter of the process is the awesome part going. It's like building Legos. Like, you know, you build the, the you build the, the house, but like, can we put a dog house over here and can we do this? And how do we turn this into a whole environment that is consistent with what we want to talk about and what we have fun with and add to that, that people will want to pay attention to. And that was, the initial go with it. And we're still like, I can't even explain to you. We're, we're still in the, the minutia of where we are. I don't even think we're close to what we thought we would be doing. But again, we both are coming from somewhere totally different where we're learning it together. And that's kind of been the fun part about it. I mean, that's the, again, like that's the thing that's going to set your soul on fire, keep you passionate about it to move forward. You know, yeah. and all those different elements come together and form this, again, monster, in a sense, that drives right. you to move forward and doing what you're passionate about. 
Yeah, well, we had we had Johnny Bench on, and this is my only name drop of this, but we had Johnny Bench on like a few weeks ago, and him and Sean got into this funny conversation about Chick-fil-A and how they eat it, they go there with their kids, love it. And as a joke, I go, well, Johnny, uh, I'm like, we're not getting paid for this, so maybe you can help us get that sponsor. And he, first of all, Johnny Bench is like one of the crazier entrepreneurs you'll ever meet in your life. Like he does things, Google what he's selling and it's a billion different things. Um, but he said, he goes, no, 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 Rich. He goes, this is a startup. This is a part that's fun. Have fun with it. Have fun with it and build it. And it'll be there later. And you're going to look back on this time and realize that this was the most fun part about the entire journey. So, Wow. And, and again, great advice. And I want to thank you so much again for coming on the show, being gracious enough to take the time. I hope we can do this again someday because I'd love to pick your brain about so much more. My boss has got to use the space. No, go for it. Anytime you want, buddy. And honestly, I, I got to thank you. This is the first time I've ever been asked to do an interview. I've never been really on this side of things before. So I appreciate it. I think you're doing a great job. I've been watching your stuff. I love what you guys are doing. And, uh, I'm a big fan of your work, so whenever you want me back on again, I'm here, man. Well, I appreciate it, man. And again, this is the back studio. I got to show you the front studio. Hopefully okay, good. Some pictures of you know stuff that you've done, you know things cool. throughout your career, and we could just chat back and forth about that. Nice. Whenever yeah. you give me a call, and I'm ready whenever you are, buddy. I'm very curious about all aspects of this business, so awesome. I'd well, love to pick your brain more. Catch new episodes of The O Show for free, available on all audio platforms, including Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. For full video versions of the podcast, head on over to YouTube and StarWorldWideNetworks.com. The O Show is presented by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. Mayweather Boxing and Fitness is an inclusive, high-intensity fitness experience developed by the champ Floyd Money Mayweather himself, the best group boxing workout in the market, Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.